want to eat the exact opposite of plant-based, then the carnivore diet has you covered. A diet that consists entirely of animal foods and zero carbs and plants, it offers the promise of weight loss and a cure for all that ails you, from autoimmune diseases to depression. Of all the trends that buck conventional nutrition advice, the carnivore diet lies several standard deviations to the right of the diet crazy curve. In this podcast, I look at what created the carnivore diet trend, what it involves, and importantly, what can we say about its health merits. Giving the middle finger to all things plant-based, the carnivore diet is the latest in a long line of extreme dieting practices. But why the sudden interest in carnivore diets? It is a common next step people take after dabbling in the paleo diet or keto. Sure, those diets work for some people, but few people sustain them as they are meant to be followed long term. Hence the diet merry-go-round of always looking for the next thing, and carnivore certainly meets that for being a new shiny object to attract your attention. The carnivore diet stems from the belief that our ancestors ate mostly meat and fish. And the health ills we've got into today is from all those evil carbs that we eat. So you can see the clear connection with paleo and keto being gateway diets into carnivore. It's possible to trace interest in the carnivore diet back to the release of a book by orthopedic surgeon Sean Baker in 2018 simply titled The Carnivore Diet. And it was at that exact time that Google Trends showed the start of a spike in interest in this diet. You'll find all sorts of testimonials from those who follow the carnivore diet as proof that it can treat any autoimmune or chronic disease you may suffer from, such as depression, anxiety, arthritis, obesity, diabetes, and more. Research evidence to support any of this? Zero, of course. So what is the carnivore diet? Well, there's no official definition, but the easiest way to think of it is that you only eat things that either walked, swam, or flew. So it's in with meat, chicken, pork, and fish, and out with fruits, vegetables, legumes, grains, nuts, and seeds. But then there are things like eggs and high-fat dairy foods like butter often included in a carnivore diet. But no milk because that has carbs in it from the lactose and those things will kill you, okay? So carnivore is pretty much a 100% animal-based, zero-carb diet, which is why it attracts those for who keto just wasn't hardcore enough. Can you lose weight on it? Absolutely, just like you can lose weight on any diet, any diet that imposes some form of dietary restriction. And with such a limited range of foods eaten, the novelty does wear off after a time, and you naturally just eat less. Plus, it's super high in protein, and that is a macronutrient that has some degree of satiety-inducing ability. One internet and podcasting celebrity, Joe Rogan, went viral from his Insta post profiling his 30 days experience on the carnivore diet. 
He lost about five kilos and felt amazing. Although his followers were probably relieved to hear that the explosive diarrhea he suffered from settled down after the first two weeks on the diet. And to show you just how much influence this one Instagram post had, there was a huge spike in searches for the carnivore diet at exactly this time in February of 2020, where Joe Rogan posted on Insta. So take a look at the direct link I've put in the show notes for the Google Trends search data. And as we're on the topic of bowel habits, that is going to be one of the big downsides of the carnivore diet. It is a zero-fiber diet, and it is fiber and other prebiotics from plant foods that really keep your gut microbiome happy. There is just so much research coming out into the benefits of fiber on the gut microbiome that you'd have to be a fiber denier to say that there could be no long-term health problems linked to your gut health from going carnivore. Not surprisingly, though, there isn't a lot of research into the long-term health aspects of carnivore plant-free diets. There has been a narrative commentary paper published in a peer-reviewed journal on if the diet can provide all essential nutrients, which I'll link to in the show notes. And by being careful to source foods from a variety of animal sources, it is possible to meet most micronutrient needs, including vitamin C, for which beef tongue can provide a small amount, but the diet is nowhere near the RDI levels for vitamin C. And calcium is the other notable exception, where you won't be getting much of it on this diet. And no, bone broth only provides tiny amounts of calcium at about 10 milligrams per serve. Unless, of course, you're being a bit more liberal in your carnivore diet rules and include dairy foods like cheese in it. But the conclusion from this review paper was that the long-term consequences of the diet are unknown, which is to be expected. Being super high in meat, there are concerns about its link to heart disease. And for that, the link comes from a chemical made in the gut of bacteria called trimethylamine oxide, or TMAO. Now, TMAO is a natural byproduct made during digestion, derived from nutrients that are abundant in red meat. TMAO levels are higher in people with cardiovascular disease, so it could be the red meat in their diet partly contributing to this. To tease out the links between red meat and TMAO production, 113 healthy men and women took part in a clinical trial where they ate different types of dietary protein from red meat, white meat, and non-meat protein. And each person followed the special diet for four weeks and then switch to another source of protein, with a number of calories kept constant for each period. And I'll link to this study in the show notes. When on the red meat diet, blood levels of TMAO were three times higher compared to diets high in white meat or non-meat protein sources. And a novel twist of the study was that half of the people were also placed on high-fat versions of the three diets. And the effect of red meat on TMAO levels were also the same, irrespective of how much fat was eaten. The positive news from the study, though, was that TMAO levels rapidly declined when people switched off the red meat diet. 
How TMAO can raise the risk of heart disease is complex. Previous research has found that TMAO can increase cholesterol deposits in artery walls, leading to arteriosclerosis. TMAO has also been found to increase the clotting ability of blood platelet cells, which can increase the risk of heart attacks and stroke. And a double whammy here is that a low-fiber diet can change the mix of bacteria in the gut to promote more of them that actually preferentially metabolize meat to TMAO. So if you look at a carnivore diet, it's all meat, no plants, no fiber, and poor gut health. So it potentially can even increase TMAO levels even more. But are there any pluses to the carnivore diet? Well, the diet can be attractive for those battling food intolerances, as it can serve as a short-term elimination diet to sleuth what foods can be causing problems as you slowly introduce new foods back into your diet. More reasonable people would seek specialist advice from a dietitian who works in the area of food allergies and intolerances. Cutting out carbs will help with blood glucose control, so it could be used by some people with diabetes, as some studies show that a low-carb keto diet can be an effective approach. But again, it is kind of a sledgehammer approach to go all the way to carnivore. Then there are people with IBS-like symptoms who certainly could see some relief, because no plants means no fiber and no FODMAPs. But there are ways to reduce these in your diet without just dining on three meals a day of steak. So let's wrap this up. The carnivore diet is a bit of a niche fad, and that's because it is extremely restrictive. Sure, you can find lots of anecdotes of followers of it on social media who rave about the results they've got from it. But that gets a hundred times more attention than the people who tried it and found it sucked. I'm giving the diet a one-star rating out of five. So that's it for today's show. You can find the show notes either in the app you're listening to this podcast on if it supports it, or else head over to my webpage at thinkingnutrition.com.au and click on the podcast section to find this episode to read the show notes. If you find this podcast of value, then please consider sharing it with your friends and colleagues, or maybe even leave a review. This all helps increase the ranking and reach of the podcast, which means a big win for credible evidence-based nutrition messages while helping to dilute out the crazy and making the world a slightly less confusing place. I'm Tim Crow, and you've been listening to Thinking Nutrition. Thinking Nutrition.